everybody welcome back hello hello welcome to home on the rng we once again finally have chris taylor joining Yay. us oh hi yeah uh we have someone who knows what he's talking about especially when it comes to music um but not especially when it comes to persona which is the game we're discussing today <laughs> persona one because um, jeff makes us play everything in order if if russ was running the show we would just have played persona 5 royal <laughs> Which is why I'm running the show. Uh, anyway, we'll go ahead and jump into personal history. So I actually, I don't have history with Persona 1 because Rachel and Russ peer pressured me into starting with Persona 3. They insisted, you can't play 1, you can't play 2, you can't play 2-2, two, two. you have to play 3 first and then 4. And, okay, fine, they were right. Yeah, we're rational you human were, beings. You were mostly right. Well, when we one day get to Persona 3, we'll talk about it. So this was my first time playing Persona 1. So I will say, as usual, I break down Persona 1 is a spinoff of a spinoff of a sequel to the Megami Tensei series, mm -hmm. which sounds ridiculous. There will be a side quest later this month that actually addresses the Shin Megami Tensei series because it is bonkers how convoluted it is. And Technically, how many the title playing. is Revelations Persona. Yes, this game was released as Revelations Persona, developed and published by Atlas in 1995. The, different, the Shin Megami Tensei series usually deals with demons. The Persona series deals with Jungian psychology, and this is where I get to sound a little smart, briefly. <laughs> Because it deals with the concept of personas, which are the selves that we portray. Uh, like how when you're at work, you act differently than when you're hanging out with your buddies, but you act differently than if you're hanging out with your parents. Each of those is a persona, a role that you play. It's an aspect of your personality that's appropriate to the situation. Is that how life is supposed to work? Is that what I've been doing wrong for 37 years? That might be okay. your problem. Right. Uh, so Jungian, this part of Jungian psychology deals with personas, which we've now defined, and shadows. Shadows are those parts of your personality you're not proud of. My need to be the center of attention. I'm aware of it. It's a part of my personality. It's not something to be proud of. So it's something I try to tuck away in the corner. The shadows are the parts of ourselves that we don't feed we try not to engage with. And the Persona series deals with teenagers using their personas to fight the shadows from humanity's collective unconsciousness. That's, that's a good summary. Yeah. That's so a good summary. that's, since I didn't have personal history, there's the personal history of the game. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Go ahead. I don't have personal history either because like you said, I, Rachel and I bullied you into playing Persona 3 and that's the first one that I played. Um, I had, I don't know if I'd never heard of the series. I probably had never heard of the series before Persona 3. Um, and this isn't the first time that I've played this game, but I didn't play it until after Persona 3 and 4, I think. Um, I played it on the PSP. That was the first time I played it. And we'll, we'll talk about it, but there's a, there's a really 
unfortunately Americanized Yeah, I was about to bring that up anyway. So when it came out for the PS1, PS1. there is a character who is, I don't know what the the category of that person is in Japanese. Yeah, and Masao is... The, yeah, Masao is the character, and he is he. It's some kind of fashion thing that was going on in Japan in he, the nineties. He represents a unique Japanese subculture. Yeah, exactly. That we don't understand. And he wears uh, like a beanie, and he has like face paint on, and he has a weird earring, and it's just a yeah, it's just a cultural. So pop when they were thing. making the decision to translate it to the PS One for Americans, they went, "Well, Americans aren't going to know what that thing is," and they're right. We don't know what that yeah. subculture is. So let's make him a black kid. Yeah. They literally blackwashed the character. And I mean, they blackfaced him. him. Yeah. That was, they literally blackfaced uh, the Russ and I both played the PSP version for this, which has many quality of life improvements, as well as a dramatic soundtrack difference, which we'll talk about when we get to music with Chris. But it's important to note, when we talk about innovations and combat and the stuff we In the version that we played, he was, they were all Japanese kids. Yes. And he was not black. And exactly. all the girls weren't blonde. They changed all the girls to blondes for some reason. Well, of course they did. So let's go ahead and move into story and characters. All right. Let me get my piece of paper. Just like that sound. It feels authentic to me. Mm -hmm. When a Japanese city is suddenly flooded with demons, it's probably the local evil corporation at work. So a group of teenagers pick up their guns and axes and use their magic mind powers to travel to another world and defeat the head of the evil corporation. Along the way, things get real weird. So, I'm not sure that we played the same game, because in my game, a group of high schoolers have to save their school, which was has been encased in ice by an evil demon queen, and save all of their classmates. I, I played Persona 1. What did you play? I played, I played Persona 1 as well. As you can tell from our funny comedy bit. Uh, Persona actually has two different storylines in it that you can play. You can play one or the other. Uh, the Snow Queen quest is harder to get at. Uh, you have to do some very specific things to lock yourself into that story. The Snow Queen quest is the harder version of the game. Uh, it also yeah. was not in the original PlayStation 1 release. They restored it for the PSP release. Well, it's in the Jap- so it's in the Japanese original. And then yes. for the American... Sorry. I forget that... The world isn't America. (laughs) The American version. Like many people. Um, Yes. So this was always a thing in the Japanese version of the game. In the U.S., in the non-Japanese version of the game. They stripped it out. The Snow Queen quest was stripped out. You can. You can actually still trigger it. And you can actually still play most of it. But it's just garbled. Like the text is literally just little boxes and <laughs> so um, they didn't fully strip it out they tried they didn't fully strip it out they ju- they yeah they just didn't translate it and what's interesting is like monsters that show up in the main quest as well like they're still there and they still have their names and you can still do all of that but um but monsters that that are only in the snow queen quest are just like dummied out it's yeah, it's weird. So Russ played that version. I, I played, played the Snow version. Queen quest because I'd never played it before. So Luckily, the was... characters are by and large the same in both the main characters. What's fun about this, if you if you do know the Persona series, the characters in this game unlock their personas by running around in an empty room and saying, Persona, Persona, come to me, which seems way easier than in 3, 4, and 5. Especially in 3. Yeah, with 3 in, where you have to th- shoot yourself in the head with some, <laughs> with a fake gun. Yes. Um, At least it's a fake gun. True. Uh, The game itself is around 32 hours. Mm -hmm. Russ, do you want to talk a little about the characters? 
yeah, I mean, this is what set up characters in a lot of games to come, is the characters are just a group of high school students who decide to play a game based on a weird superstition where they run around a room saying persona, 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 and then unfortunately in Japanese video games, superstitions are always true, so they do summon these these other shadow parts of themselves and demons attack Tokyo. What's interesting to me, and this is only going to make sense if you've played Persona 4, so those listening, it's interesting to me that the entire plot, not the Snow Queen one, but the, uh, the one that I played, of this game is essentially, just from a story standpoint, not from the actual playing it, mm-hmm. it's essentially one character dungeon from Persona 4, is what That's this true. plot basically yeah. is. It, it deals with a, a, a young girl's split psyche, and you go into her mind, which is an alternate version of the world. Yeah. And you have to f- save her lighter side and fight her darker side and help put her back together. That is a good, that is a good comparison and, and interesting how, yeah, that was fleshed out to bank Persona 4. Is there anything else we want to talk about story character-wise? I mean, the, the teenagers are... The teenagers are just different stereotypes. I, yeah, there's the. It's there's, kind of like the Breakfast Club got together and then they had to fight demons. There's the Valley Girl type. There's the strong, capable woman. There's the. Uh, there's the secret bad boy. The secret there's bad a, boy with a scar on his forehead. I made sure to get him. Yeah. Uh, when you play either quest, you can't get all the characters. Yeah, there's about nine of them and you can have five in your party. And when you're playing the main quest, you really only get to pick one right four of them are selected for you three right. of them are selected for you god how large four is of party? them are you can o- in the main quest you can only pick one so out you, of yeah. like an additional four if you want to get the secret hidden character not only do you have to meet all the specific recommendations but you also have to like turn people away yeah, from yeah. your party mm-hmm. uh but the game is configured such that you will get a fifth party member right if for some reason you didn't meet the right specifications then the next to the last person won't let you refuse them. Yeah. So you do get five party members. The Snow Queen quest has three required, and then you actually get to pick two yeah. out of those remaining ones. All right, so that's story and characters. I guess we'll move on to what I have a ridiculous amount of notes for, which is the combat system. Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on here. Uh, so battle is presented on a grid, but your characters don't move on the grid. You place them on the grid, and then various attacks they can use, which are uh, melee, gun, or persona powers, all have different areas of effect on the enemy's grid. So you shove, you want to. Part of the strategy is shuffling them around to find the correct place to put them in for maximum effect. I will tell you that that grid thing deeply, deeply confused me the first time I played this game. And I'm like, how are you supposed to hit any of the monsters yeah. with your physical weapon? Because like you've got to be three, near the front row. Three of depending on who you pick as your as your optional party member, like four out of your five characters all have to be in the front row. Yep. To even be able to hit anything. Uh, and the guns have different area effects. The shotgun is like a sh- uh, a cone. It's yeah. It's really a lot of strategy, possibly more strategy than there needs to yeah. be to figure out placement. You can negotiate with the enemies. So you can choose to talk to the enemies and you get each character has four different ways they can try to negotiate. And it's kind of I want to say it's random, but it's not. It's preset. 
but depending it's on who you have in your it's party, vague. yeah. Oh, it's very, it's vague. very vague. It, it's almost impossible to tell what will anger. Uh, so they have monsters can either be angered, made happy, scared, or, or a fourth one that apparently I forgot to write down. Helpful. <laughs> they become like joyful. Joyful basically. as opposed to happy. If you if you make them, they might run away if they're scared. They might stop talking to you if they're angry. They also might give you items if they're angry. It really feels so random. What you want to do is get their persona cards because as you collect monster cards, you can then go to the velvet room and combine them and create new more powerful monsters because mm-hmm. the monsters are your personas. It, they become your personas. Everybody in the party can have, I think, up to three personas three. that they three rotate personas through. Equipped. Yeah. Different personas learn different skills. Before I started playing this game, I actually went on the JRPG subreddit, and I said, I've never played this game before. I know it's going to be difficult because it's a first-person dungeon crawler, which I hate. Uh, I love those. <laughs> I, I'm not saying they're bad. I can't. I don't enjoy them, personally. Mm-hmm. I just can't. But it, two, one of the recommendations was guns. Guns get way more powerful by the end of the game. They seem weak at the beginning, but, you know, keep going with the guns and status bullets. And the other was Megadeo is an overpowered spell. Mm-hmm. So I aim to get Megadeo, and it's, it's, it's true. You get Megadeo, and it will do a lot of the work for you. <laughs> um, true. The funny thing about playing Persona 3 first and then going back to this is you see how frustrating... <laughs> this game was in terms of trying to manage three personas for every character that you have in your party because in persona three only your main and all the personas after three two yeah only your main character can swap personas all of your other characters have a preset persona that levels up and changes as the game goes on but they only ever have one persona equipped at a time so you don't have to worry about things like that this was so much management it well, was well also your experience very stressful. your character's experience level and your character's persona level go up independently of yeah. each other so you want to keep spamming persona skills yeah. in order to power up your persona i mean that's true of your main character in the other persona games but you're only still you're only keeping up with one character yes. that you have to upgrade personas on uh, i will say usually i don't use a lot of magic in jrpgs because you know i want to save it for the bosses or for that is just truly not possible in a persona <laughs> game well the upside is when you level up your health and your sp which is your magic here both fill up when every time you level up which encourages you to keep spamming persona because it'll level yeah. up your persona which will fill up your magics <laughs> you use more magic so you can get more magic yeah. it so that part was kind of nice. It has an auto combat system, which is very versatile. It has pre-configured, you know, focus on attack, focus on skills, but it also has just, let me just program what I want everybody to yeah. do. So you do a round and then you say, all right, just have my party keep repeating that, which is good in a game like this where there's just so much grinding and combat. And that's what you want in a good RPG is setting up macros. That's if, always a good, that's always a sign of an excellent you, If RPG. you're going to be doing a lot of grinding, <laughs> please, for the love of God, give me some kind of auto combat. Yeah. The SP cost for spells is tied to the persona, not the skill you're using. Right. So you can get a persona who's like, oh, it costs three SP to, cost in, to cast any of my spells. Yeah, I have one of the best spells in the game, as opposed to that persona over there, which is 20x SP to cast anything and also has the best spell in the game. Like, So there's, again, it's kind of weird that all the spells cost 
the same yeah. for anyway being killed in battle does not exclude you from getting the xp that you earned you earn xp for how much you damage the yeah. enemies in that combat nice and if you happen to die you still get what you were i kind of the problem i have with that kind of system though is inevitably you have a healer in the party and they're going to yeah. get less experience because they're doing less damage because they're focused on support it's the fire emblem emblem problem the healer that you get like 11 experience or whatever yeah for healing an ally oh yeah you're just sitting there oh you have one point of damage please let me heal you yes i need the xp please (laughs) shining force as well yeah for the love of god let me anybody anybody got a splinter i will heal you yes (laughs) did have I addressed the combat? Do we think we've talked about? Yeah, that, I mean, the combat is not different in the Snow Queen quest. There, there are other gameplay mechanics that are different. The combat is is the same, and it's. I just i I am here that in the original PS One version there was not a speed up button for the combat animations, oh, and I don't know how anybody played that game because the amount of time it takes those characters to do their little flourish and summon their persona and their persona animation to play and then the enemy the attack animation to play oh i couldn't imagine that the combat is just the combat is very slow the combat is extremely slow and complex and grindy yeah yeah and i would get to the point where it's like okay i have to figure out how to negotiate with these monsters because i am so deep in this dungeon i'm on the verge of death Mm -hmm. i just need to be able to figure out the right way to talk to them so they'll leave me alone that because if you ask them for a card and you already have their card they'll just be like oh you already got it and they'll leave yeah it's like oh thank god okay i just have to figure out the trick for each and every monster in this dungeon to leave me alone until i can get to that hp recovery spot we'll go ahead and move on to innovations Like I mentioned, it's a first-person dungeon crawler, which is miserable for me. It is primarily a dungeon crawler. Even friendly areas like your high school or the mall is in a dungeon crawler format. The convenience store. Yeah. Convenient, as it says on this YouTube video. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I don't like I don't like the first-person stuff either. Um, Well, Chris does, so we will judge him silently. Okay. And I especially don't like the first-person dungeon when I want to talk about the difference with the Snow Queen quest, which is harder, versus the main quest, which I did not realize. So I had never played Snow Queen before, and I did not look up anything about it, really, beforehand. So so the, the function of the Snow Queen quest is that instead of going on this journey to save your classmate and, like, go into her mind and all of the things that, that relate to Persona 4, you get trapped in your high school, which gets frozen over um, and taken on by this demon Snow Queen. And there are three towers that appear in your school, the Hypnos Tower, the Thanatos Tower, and the Nemesis Tower, I believe they're called. It's non-linear, so you can do them in any order, yet the enemies don't scale, the monsters don't scale, so you're supposed to do, I believe, Hypnos, Nemesis, Thanatos, but you can potentially go Thanatos first, and all the enemies are way over-leveled, um, which is, of course, what I did. Of course. Then, so I had to restart. <laughs> then I realized that all of the towers are timed. Yep. 
So, and only one of them is timed in the sense of, well, I can't decide if it's the best one or the worst one, but it's like the middle one is timed in the sense that if you make it through quickly, then you fight an extremely weak version of the boss at the top of the tower. But if you, like, it won't kick you out of the tower or game you over or anything. But if you take a really long time to finish the tower, then you get a super, super difficult version of the boss at the top that is like, as difficult as the end game boss and it kind of reminds me of like in final fantasy 7 sephiroth is actually like way harder if you're level 99 or something <laughs> okay i didn't know yeah that. Mm-hmm. so it's a lot so what i'm saying is that it's a lot of pressure that i didn't know i was getting myself into <laughs> so i felt this constant sense of dread of like i need to finish these dungeons in like 60 real world minutes um, God, and with the slow combat. With the slow combat and having to upgrade personas, all the things that you have to do in the main story, but now you have a timer ticking down <laughs> the entire time. Everything about this game is complex. It is absolute heck. There is a casino, and even the blackjack and slot machines are in. The slot machine has 17 slots. Yeah. Including wow. four groups of four that you rotate around before you stop the other five slots to try and make... <laughs> There's a game called Code Breaker that's like Sudoku. Sudoku? Sudoku. Sudoku. That one. Except there are no pre-filled out numbers, but you do still have to figure out exactly the predetermined where all the numbers should How be. How exactly no do you do that without having any numbers whatsoever? Uh, you get a certain number of tries for it to say, yes, you've got this in the right. You've My got word. X number of correct numbers in X rows, but only X of them are in the exact correct I mean, spot. I'm like medium good at Sudoku, but I could not ever imagine no, doing you have that to... with no numbers to begin with. So even the little tiny mini games are unbelievably complex. The the really the one saving grace is the mini map. Yeah, which is only in the PSP version. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine playing through this. I I, I have <laughs> written down here, uh, like how to get through the Sebic building. Yeah, and it reminds me of the ice dungeon in Arcana. Oh, the Arcana. Yeah, because mm-hmm. let's see. So this I don't remember clearly, but luckily I wrote it down. In the Sepic building, you take an elevator to the fifth floor, then go through all of the twisting corridors to go back down to the first floor, then t- find another series of stairs to go all the way back up to the fifth floor again. <laughs> so if this I is did... like one of the last great holdouts of the just buy some graph paper and yeah. take care of this mm-hmm. yourself, noob. Yep. Thank God I didn't have to do that. <laughs> yeah. I would have been looking up maps online. That's what I love about Etrian Odyssey is that they still make you draw on a map, but they like give you the map, the like yes, on the bottom I love screen. That. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's fun creating the map like that. I think it though. is. I, I know some people who hate it, but yeah. whatever. It has that problem I harp on a lot, and we shouldn't have this problem in a PS One era game, where you can't always know whether an item that you want to equip is better than the one you have now yeah. when you're purchasing them. I should know what I'm spending my money on. There should be an easy way to indicate this is an improvement, and there's not. To be fair, this was like one of the first PlayStation games. We saw this in in a Game Boy game. Yeah, that's true. They managed it in a Game Boy game. They should have figured it out by the PlayStation 1 era. (laughs) There is also the Equip Optimal button, which is helpful, but like it'll equip something that is better in one respect and worse in four other respects. So it's mm. not perfect. Yeah. This also begins the Persona story tradition of a bad 
dialogue choice at a key point in the story will end the game early. <laughs> like you get the bad yeah. end. Perfect. Yeah. I have a friend who's like way into that. Yeah. She loves to try and screw up the games halfway through. There are several little moral choices you make throughout. Do I help this person? Do I run? All this. And it turns out near the end of the game, you unlock ultimate personas. But the number of ultimate personas you unlock depend on how good a person you were yeah. throughout the entire story. So, so it's a little bit like the trial in Chrono Trigger, where all of a sudden, actions you didn't know mattered. It goes back and says, let's take a look at those. Yeah. Let's see yeah. how good you were. Uh, I think the cutscenes actually are still pretty good. I, I think they're decent quality. Uh, for a PS1 game, I'm, I still thought they held up. Yeah. Are you talking about like the anime cutscenes? Yeah, the anime cutscenes. Those were added, right? Those were PSP. I believe those were uh, I PSP I never played added. the PS1 version. Yeah, I didn't either. So. I don't know. <laughs> None of us know. I am, a, I am, my gut assumption is they were added for the PSP version. I guess that well, well, And then the PS1 surprised. version probably was just sprites on an isometric. Because the game is an isometric view during like story scenes and things. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then there's an optional dungeon unlocked post game. Mm -hmm. That's the other innovation I've got listed. I don't know where to insert this in. So I guess I'll just insert it in here. Bring it in. But what's in, what I didn't know either. So there's a manga uh, that's based on persona one. Does not surprise me. And in the manga, they cover both quests. They cover the Sebek quest and they cover the Snow Queen quest. And even in the game, like the Snow Queen quest, the ending of the Snow Queen quest is where you finish it and you beat the final boss. And then the characters from the main quest show up and they're like, what have you been doing all this time? We've just been standing out here waiting for you. <laughs> <laughs> so that you can help us go save our friend. And then you have to go do that, too. Oh, so if you do the Snow Queen quest, you have to You do don't. Like, in the game, you don't have okay. to then, go, then play the main quest. But that is the ending. The ending is like, we saved the school and we saved our homeroom teacher. But, but these other two douchebags out here have just been, like, standing in front of the school the whole time. Waiting, waiting for, for you, quest. waiting for the main character to go save the other girl. So it's like... I just went through all of this and now you want me to like help you save the main girl. And that's the way the manga plays out <laughs> is they do the whole snow queen thing. And then the main character walks outside and he's like, Oh, you've just been chilling, staring at your watch the whole time. And I think that's cruel. Well, yeah, I just saved the world. Well, I have to do <laughs> just, it again. You have to do it again. Yes. Do you, do you have anything else under innovations? No, that was that was my main contribution. Was I just I think it's mean. I think it's mean. Then let's move on to what turns out to be a controversial topic for this game. Uh oh, the music. <gasps> We have musical expert Chris Taylor with us. Chris, would you like to tell us a little bit about the music before we get to the controversy? Uh, I suppose. I actually, full disclosure, I, I only have listened to the original PlayStation music, but I do know about the controversy because I, I run a club on Facebook that, you know, caters to, like, people sharing basically, like, obscure video game music. So, and this, this hits the line of, like, obscurity, I think. Uh, but anyways, yeah, I actually am not, I've never played the game either, so <laughs> that's rounded out the trifecta. But in listening to the soundtrack, yeah, it's, um, and 
kind of with Persona in general, like the the main theme of it is that it's like they're really into doing this kind of chill noir kind of like music. Like it's it's kind of like a a detective movie from the future with like some techno in it as mm-hmm. well. So it's just it's a weird mix, but it's almost uniquely Persona. And it's like when you're listening to it, you're like, oh yeah, this must be from a Persona game. Which is also funny because, like, that kind of goes a little bit, uh, that butts heads a little bit with, like, the Shin Megami Tensei series at large, which, at least in, the, like, the early games, had, like, much more of an edge, I think. But, like, a Persona game musically, to me, feels a little more chill. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots more uh, synth work. It's yeah. jazzy. Jazzy I find. sometimes. Some people may argue that some of the songs just don't go anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> but, of course, then, uh, like, with any RPG of this uh, of this type, it comes down to dungeon themes and battle themes. Uh, you know, like, the incidentals and the storyline music tend to not matter as much as, like, when you're in the dungeon, I suppose, except the, uh, except for the Ice Queen dungeon, since you're timed, which is funny, because, like, when I wrote down my, like, my favorites, most of them are in the Ice Queen <laughs> part of the game. You don't have time to enjoy music. Exactly, yeah. I have... The Ice Castle dungeon here, the Nemesis Tower. I really love the Nemesis Tower. It's got like this chill, like kind of trip hop beat to mm. it, which is kind of cool. Uh, but I will say that, yeah, this game does feature one of the best uh, convenience store themes of any game. Yes. Which, <laughs> even at least... more than uh, humoresque of a little dog? Well, no, but. <laughs> okay. I was worried for a second. It's, it's among them. And on, uh, on YouTube, they misspelled it as convenient. It's, it's yeah. the convenient store theme. Mm-hmm. So when the PSP version was released, Mm -hmm. they remixed the entire soundtrack. And here's where the controversy comes in. By that time, other Persona games had come out. Mm -hmm. And when they they wanted to remix the soundtrack to sound more like the rest of the Persona games. So when I fired up the PSP, I was like, oh, yeah, this sounds like Persona. This, like, I'm, I'm here. It sounds exactly like a Persona game. But a lot of people online I saw were complaining because they really preferred the original. Mm-hmm. And I, so I made a point. I actually, I listened to the soundtracks too. <laughs> I listened to both of them mainly so I could be smug and superior right. and be like, those guys don't know what they're talking about. Clearly the Damn one that pers- sounds like Persona is the best. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but it turns out the original PS1 soundtrack is actually pretty good. It's like, real lush. I, if I honestly, if I had to pick between the two of them in a vacuum, Forgetting the history of Persona and the fact that the PSP one does sound more persona E. I don't know which one I'd pick. <laughs> um, so I have no problem with people preferring the original PS1 because it's good. It doesn't sound like a Persona game as much, but it's real good. And, and I like the fact, and you can address these people, but I like the <laughs> fact that it was remixed by the same composers who made it originally. Yeah. I feel good about that. Yeah, we got a... Jeff slid me over a note with the composers, even though I'd already made a note. Uh, we got Shoji Meguro, who is the, the main, kind of like the main uh, guy. And, yeah, he's, I think he's worked on all the Persona games, if I'm not mistaken. But, uh, but you know, and that's the thing, too, about Persona, is that a lot of the composers kind of stuck in the Persona series and rarely branched out to a lot of other things. Atlas really has its own in-house composing yeah. group. And so... Which is funny because, like, you know, um, they also have Yuzo Koshiro with the Etrian Odyssey series, and, like, he only worked on, like, that pretty much. And then the Persona Q games as well as kind of a collaboration. 
But anyways, uh, so, like, yeah, these composers aren't, like, people that you're going to know a whole lot about until you start, like, playing or listening to a lot more Persona. And so we got, yeah, Shoji Meguro here. We got Kenichi Tsuchiya, uh, Misaki Okibe, and then Hirohito Aoki, who I suppose has passed away. He passed away back in 2002, which I actually didn't know. And uh, he worked on, like, some other Megami Tensei spinoffs. I actually didn't have him in my notes either, so <laughs> it's a good catch. But, yeah, so what were we talking about with the composers? Well, I, I like the, the oh, fact... Oh, that they, they did the remake. Yeah, yeah, they did their own remake, which at that point I think takes a lot of heat out of the argument. It does, right? yeah. They did they redid their own work, so there's there shouldn't be violently opposed camps, <laughs> right? Because it's from the same people. But I can kind of see they're both very good. Both versions yeah. have their benefit their pluses. And yeah, and the first one, you know, the original does I think uh, it has a little bit of a rawness to it. But then if you look at it in the context of other RPGs at the time, there weren't a lot of RPGs that went the electronic route for soundtrack. Mm-hmm. That was more reserved for like other kinds of games. So, it was it was a really interesting kind of uh, uh, marriage of like that kind of future not future sound but like futuristic as imagined in the '80s. You know, heavy reverb drums and like those really warm synths and things like that, as opposed to orchestral, which you know people were still, especially when PlayStation was like just taking off. Like people were like, oh, I can make these like orchestral like you know, grand sweeping middies and all this other stuff. And, you know, your, your final fantasies of that era and stuff mm-hmm. like that too. So I, I really feel like, um, in the context of what else was going on at the time, it was, it kind of stood out for that. And a lot of these, I love the persona soundtracks in general. Yeah. Uh, they, and I don't normally care that much about me to say, <laughs> They're good but for like head bopping the, the aria of the velvet room, Mm-hmm. Yeah. is so mm-hmm. identifiable and that it's it's haunting and it, it will always jump out at you <laughs> um i really love that one sound soundtrack from the persona 4 game the the stand up i yes the stand up reach out whatever mm-hmm. oh yeah god that that almost gives me goosebumps when it kicks in right at a good dramatic mm-hmm. part yeah uh the ones that stuck out to me mostly were like the funky ones which these games uh, did a pretty good job of like, like uh, I think mostly funk. yeah, especially in like the uh, the shopping ward I guess which is the mall yeah. must be, yeah uh, I have first and second shopping and first uh, first ward shopping like themes yeah those are really really great and uh, Mark's theme which I don't know what that is Mark is the one that they made black yeah. oh okay yeah he's got a very funky theme <laughs> yeah because he dances like crazy. Which was a poor... Mark Dances Crazy was one of the weird translation choices they made for the PS1. Uh And they decided to keep it for the PSP remaster because it was like, you spoonie bard. Yes. People were just like, no, you got to keep that one. Mark Dances Crazy. Well, he's got a theme for it. That's for sure. So uh, with music behind us, I guess we'll move on to our final thoughts Mm -hmm. of the game. So we played this game. We certainly did. I've played this game twice now. I played it on my own on the PSP when it came out. And I played the main quest, the regular quest. And I got ragey, the 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 delinquent, the hidden delinquent. And it was, I mean, it's hard. It's hard saying what my final thoughts are in this game. 
when I played Persona 3 first. I played Persona 3 and 4 before I played this. So this is going back to playing something that I just don't like as much as the later games in the series and, and what they evolved into. Um, and then this time I played the Snow Queen quest, <laughs> which was very tense and very stressful. Um, and I will not do it again. So a game on your list of never playing again. That's rare. Yeah. It, um, I just, it's like this in shining force. No, not really. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I, if I were going to give it a letter grade, which is the thing that I have been doing in these reviews, I would feel bad giving it anything below a B because I didn't hate it. Um, but it, um, I gave it way less than a B. Oh, you gave it. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Um, yeah, it could, there, there's just a lot, you can tell this was a 1995 game. You can tell this was a very early PlayStation game. I think you can partially tell it in all the battle animations and they just wanted to see like what kind of cool stuff they could do in battle animations. And it's just very slow and it's very clunky. Um, and even the battle system is clunky. I'm not a huge fan of the first person dungeon. I don't hate it as much as you do, but, um, not, not a huge fan of it. I like it in Etrian Odyssey when you can make your fun map. And not just, you know, and I would hate to play this game without a map, period. Yes. That would be, that would be an absolute nightmare. And I, I hated the time limit. I did not know there was going to be a time limit on those towers. And any game that gives me a time limit just stresses me the heck out. I'm thinking of like the Atelier games and having to do stuff in so many years. And it just stresses me the heck out. So... I guess I'll be more generous than Jeff and I'll still give it a B because I don't think it's a bad game, but I think it is better as something foundational for the better things that came after it. So the game is fine. The game might even be good, but I am absolutely not the target audience for this. So I want to say the score I'm giving it is not me being a professional JRPG reviewer. It really is grading my experience because it is a heavy heavy first person dungeon crawling mm-hmm. experience and the negotiation ta- ta- uh, mechanic which is key to the game is impenetrable i give it a d but again i was generous compared but to be- you again that's that's my personal experience with yeah. it if you like dungeon crawlers that score is going to be a lot higher for you uh i still think anybody's going to find the negotiation mechanic impenetrable but so um one thing i want to start doing on this episode by the way this is our first episode actually i think i'm going to rate it too I'm going to give it a C for convenience store. There you go. Great. That is, that's excellent. Uh, it's our first episode with our new audio equipment. We hope you like that. But I also want to start doing plugs or shout outs where just real quick, anybody doing the review can recommend a piece of media for the audience at home or plug a product of their own. I'm a whore. So I'll go first. I'm glad you finally admitted that about yourself. <laughs> I recommend people go out and buy my books. I have two books out. They're available at any online bookstore that you can think of. Uh, They are called The Great Platypus Caper and The Coconut Monkey Horror. Uh, They are just short story compilations about mostly funny times in my life. So if you have ever found me entertaining at all in this podcast, you might enjoy them. Russ shows up in a couple of the stories. Can I tell you a quick anecdote about your books? Okay. So I swear, I I, I could... To around a Bible, because I'm super religious. I don't know. But I swear that I told my mom that you wrote books, like, a long time ago. But she's retired and goes on Amazon a lot, <laughs> and, like, on the internet lately. 
And she recently bought your books and read them. Oh, so so there you go. Yeah. Uh, so, and I'm, she was very proud of you, by the way. I am currently working on two books. One is another compilation of short stories. Another is a fantasy novel. So I'm working on my third book. I just don't know which one of them is going to be my third book yet. So uh, for this episode, I'm plugging myself. But it's uh, nice. Russ, do you have something that you would recommend people at home watch yeah, or listen I real, to? Or read? I don't. I don't do anything creative. Sure, but <laughs> except you, for this, you consume so, media. What's a piece of media, media you would like? I'm gonna because it needs all the attention it can get. It's not already one of the number one podcasts, but this was kind of sprung on me. So the main thing that I can think of is to recommend the podcast you're wrong about um, with Sarah Marshall and Michael Hobbs, and they debunk pieces of history that people get wrong. So they have like 15 episodes on the O.J. Simpson trial. Okay. And they talk about the satanic panic a lot, which has been an interest of mine since I was a child. Yeah. And they um, did a book club about the Jessica Simpson autobiography and that made me a huge fan of Jessica Simpson. So uh, find them on the podcaster of your choice and maybe they'll um, say hi to me because I shouted them out. It's just, it's a very, it's a very good podcast. Chris, do you want to do a plug or a shout out? What do you want? I better plug myself, I suppose. Somebody's (laughs) got to. Somebody's got to and it ain't going to be nobody else. Uh, so I'm on Twitch. I play games five nights a week, so you'll you'll find me there most nights. Uh, it is liar exaggerate, like the like the neighbor in Earthbound. I stole his name, uh, spelled Sweet. out L I E R X A G E R A T E, and uh, yeah, I play through. I'm playing through the Kirby series, the Zelda series, and the Dragon Quest series on weekdays. Um, respectively, Wednesday through Friday. And then I kind of just do whatever right now on Saturday. And then on Sundays, I, I'm playing uh, first-person dungeon crawlers, actually. <laughs> I just finished the first Elder Scrolls game, Arena. and I'm subscribed to your channel, but I would like to figure out a way to unsubscribe on that day. <laughs> just that day. <laughs> just that day. Just make that number go down. Uh, so that's what I mainly do. Uh, I'm also in several bands, but, of course, uh, we're only all just getting back into doing things because of covid um the main one because we put out something recently i'm going to say is super high tops um which is a toe jam and earl reference mm-hmm. and in fact our first thing is that we played every song from toe jam and earl in one 15 minute long medley live as a live take on youtube and oh, so toe jam and earl has some great great funky music too. Oh, yeah. i love their bass lines yeah yeah so i, I had to do all of those without making and you too play many bass, mistakes right? i do i'm the bassist go. there and uh, we just recently released a much shorter cover, but it's of the 5 p.m. theme from Animal Crossing New Horizons. So that's uh, that's there now, and I uh, hope you'll check it out. We Very have nice. no other, we have like social medias and stuff, but it's like it's all tied to that YouTube channel, so that's where you want to see us. Okay, and I almost forgot, and Russ, if they want to play Revelations Persona or Persona 1, however they want to call it, how can they play I mean, it? they can play it on a PSP, which has a store that I think still exists the, as of yeah, right you now. Can, the, I got it on the PS Vita, which yeah, still has a store. Yeah, you can download the PSP games on there, or you can get a PS1 disc. Copy. Good luck. They're probably pricey. $500. Yeah. I think my friend Jamie has one, but she's never played it. It's just in a case on display. Oh, good for her. Atlas Games have this thing where they randomly triple in price for no reason, and yeah. that's happened a few times with that game now. Recently happened with Etrian Odyssey 3. Only three. Just three. Yeah, one, two, four, and five are still 
relatively obtainable, but three is like $250 now. Wow. All right, and next time we are talking about the sequel to a game we've reviewed. We are talking about... I mean, that se- could be anything. Second Densetsu 2. Okay. Which is kind of a mouthful. Is there a simpler way to say that? Is there like an English translation? Do we know? I think you could say Secret of Mana oh. or Secret of Mana if you're Or being... Rabbi Got Whacked. Yeah, very good. Rabbi Whacking. So join us next time as we whack our rabbis. For some Rabbi Whacking. <laughs> we'll see you guys next <laughs> time. Home on the RNG is a presentation of Mad Centaur Productions. You can find Jeff on YouTube at youtube.com slash centaurproductions or on Twitter at Jeff Centaur. You can find Russ on Twitter at RussMac25. You can find Chris on Twitch at twitch.tv slash liarexaggerate or on Twitter at enrichflavor. Thank you for listening and remember to save your game before powering off this podcast.